Parem. Ya casi no sangro. No ofrezco resistencia a la bala. Dejo que pase entre los vacíos que hay en mi carne. ¿Aún quieres batirte conmigo? Sí. No me duele matarte porque sé que la muerte no existe. Dejaré que tú dispares primero. Yeah, talk to, me about, talk to me about your Jurassic World trauma. <laughs> All right, seen a bit, Steve. Um, yeah, I mean, some people said, oh, it was smart. It, you know, like, referenced the original. It did fan service for uh, folks who grew up with the original. But, like, it just made it worse. I just left the theater. Uh, I felt like the movie hurt my feelings, what? which is crazy because it doesn't even deserve the the you know the time of day yeah. at all. But like it offended me and made me really sad. I made a conscious choice um, back when I was some some somewhere around eighteen. I made a con having watched Jurassic Park three. Like I, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I I was like, and I watched probably like twenty minutes of it. And uh, I remember telling myself, "This is this is it. I'm at this. I'm not gonna watch these movies again." Like <laughs> this, it, it had a, it one and two. I had a good run, and yeah, I think I'm over this franchise. It sucks. It was like a breakup, you know. You have, sometimes you, have, you feel like you have to just you just gotta let go of that uh, that movie baggage. Like yeah, like if they released another Matrix, would you would you watch it? After what they did to you, after the second and third, yeah, you would, yeah, like with crossed fingers, of course, that they don't fuck it up, right? No, nah, I don't know. I, I'm sure they would, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Maybe for that movie, I'd be, I don't know, better able to separate my feelings. If you were the director, I mean, I know we talked about the Matrix before and yeah. and how important it was to me when I was younger. Um, And yeah, by the time the third one came out, I think I was already kind of checked out. You know, like it didn't phase me. <sighs> the second one was rough, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that that story. Okay, so so for those who are listening to this, and there, there's no there's not much context. Doug and I recorded a conversation a little while ago, and I this is what I say when I fuck up and I don't want to admit to it. I, I, the simulation did not want our conversation to be put out into the world somehow yeah. you know there's a glitch in the matrix there was a glitch in the matrix um and now we're here and and, and you and something that stood out from when we talked about when, when we talked together was your 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 history with the matrix and you know how it affected you and how much uh, you really grew into it talk to me more about the matrix because because matrix and virtual reality are like you know bread and peanut butter and jelly to me um Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, I am really into virtual reality, and I'm really into movies, and The Matrix was really important to me when I was younger, but I've never put the connection together before. Yeah. 
I can't think that I was into virtual reality before the matrix actually i don't know what my exposure to it would have been i mean i was born in 84 so the the first big wave happened when i was pretty young i mean mm-hmm. at that point like i remember getting a super nintendo when i was a kid and, and playing a lot of you know super mario world and mario kart and all but yeah i didn't have like a virtual boy or anything mm-hmm. <laughs> uh huh do they? I don't think they even say the words "virtual reality" no. in the Matrix at all. I mean, it's not really yeah. about the technology of simulating uh, human experience. I mean, it is, but it isn't. I mean, but I I think what it really is about. Spoiler alert! If you haven't seen the Matrix, where have you been? <laughs> um, but it, what I think it really is about is about AI. I think it's about artificial intelligence, um, and and virtual worlds. I think are will be perpetually attached to artificial intelligence for the rest of time. I think you know, it just it just doesn't. To me, it seems like um, you know, for example, the the manifestation of AI in our lifetimes will first come out through a virtual world. Uh, I don't think we'll see androids or robots walking around among us. That will be sentient and self and self aware. You know, they think it'll happen at later, but first we will see them in VR. I think. I think that's a good point. I hadn't specifically thought of that before, but sure, I bet that. Uh, I mean, virtual reality is built on a lot of, uh, you know, computer graphics and gaming related technologies. Uh, or a lot of virtual experience, virtual reality experiences are uh, that are far ahead of what robotics can achieve in the physical world. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, we have computer vision. We have uh, uh, right uh, speech to text, um, so they can understand. They can uh, they can reply back. Um, they can see us. Yeah, and, and here's another thought, maybe coming from the other direction, which is that. Um, I, I expect some people might have heard of the Uncanny Valley before, which is uh, that little gap between uh, realistic, like you believe this is a real person I'm in, I'm engaging with, and uh, you know looks kind of like a person. In between that, where it's like very close but no cigar, uh, we're like biologically wired to resist <laughs> to, to uh, you know. I, mean, I, th- I think this evolved for a reason, but um, yeah. If, if let me stop you there, you said something that I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. That that's, that's that that got that caught my attention. That evolved for a reason. The ability to recognize something as not human. I mean, why, sure. What reason is that? Like, wh- what is what is nature anticipating? Is nature an- anticipating that we humans are going to? I mean, why? Uh, what I meant was yeah. that. Uh, an animal such as a human right. wouldn't want to breed with something that was uh, not correct. <laughs> you, you know, like yeah, it, uh, that had mutated in a way that made it off enough that you know, the brain registered it, it as uh, foreign or mm-hmm. um, risky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and um, and me being weird as I am, I I like 
prodding at like we these you know, prodding further into that because I'm, I'm I'm curious like you know is it impossible is it outside the realm of, poss of possibility that we can develop um, feelings and emotions for inanimate beings you know can can is it possible for an AI in VR to learn everything about you and play that to, it, to its advantage so that it can make you fall in love with it. You know, is that is that is that possible? Even though even though it's not real, um, it might understand it might understand you to a level that you wouldn't understand. It's like 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 Google knows more things about you and I than we could tell. We we've told anyone else, uh, at least me for sure. Um, well, I guess what I'd say on that is. You know, love is infinitely complicated, but things like love are pretty easy to uh, elicit and uh, replicate, you know, to, to get from people. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I have no doubt that uh, people are going to be falling in love with artificial intelligences in the near future. It's probably already happening to some extent. Um, yeah, and so I think that uh, we would be way more likely to fall in love with, or sooner fall in love with uh, virtual reality artificial intelligences than uh, physical robot yeah. artificial intelligences. Uh, and I, I guess the reason why I would say that is um, once we're already in virtual reality, our standards are lower. Uh, even when we're socializing with uh, virtual uh, entities which we know are backed by a real person remotely or just like on the other side of the room but you know if you've ever done something like alt space VR had a social VR experience um, I mean even when you throw in things like eye tracking so that you get this very like uh, intimate level of uh, eye contact and you know if you have hand tracking because uh, you know, gesture, hand gestures are pretty important to like bodily communication. Even when you throw all that into the mix, there's still something uh, off about it. Yeah. Um, but so if, if uh, the playing field is leveled such that um, even humans uh, are kind of off, then I think it'd be easier for an AI to catch up and uh, be indistinguishable. Mm. And as the role of VR in our lives increases and we're spending more and more of our time in virtual environments, um, our relationships will, on average, uh, start to include AIs more and more. It won't and seem as strange. Is, um, is falling in love with uh, an, a an AI considered cheating? Would you... Uh would you consider it cheating? <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't think it makes sense to um, make a, objective judgments. I think it depends uh, from relationship to relationship. I assume you're talking about a romantic relationship mm -hmm. here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does... Uh, it's going to um, add a new line couples may have to draw uh, yeah I'm, yeah another conversation to have <laughs> uh, like yeah like yeah I mean I, I suppose like nowadays 
couples probably have to have a conversation like, uh, are we, you know, are you into porn? Are we going to watch porn together? Like, oh, I, I don't want you to watch that kind of porn or, or whatever porn and all that sort of thing. Um, and that will probably gradually move into the area where like, uh, you know, I mean, there's already virtual reality porn. I mean, there's always this sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, like couples will have to decide what's the line, like yeah. what's essentially a, a, like a real sexual experience and what's not is what I'm trying to get at. No, yeah, yeah. The, and I mean that, that line is so blurry, and also that line is moving. It's not. It's you know what I'm saying. Like I feel like as technology progresses, that line is flexible and being it, it, it's in this state of flux. That's what I'm saying. Like, um, uh, you know, for example. What if my, what if the AI, um, instead of having Hatsune Miku's avatar, has a virtual representation of my girlfriend's avatar? And is it considered cheating if that AI looks like you? Honey, like, is that... And then she would say, oh man, that's, that's something I hadn't even thought of. Like, <laughs> simulating uh, a, a sexual partner, and but then like doing things with them that uh, you wouldn't normally do. I, yeah. Is that what you were suggesting? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a, that's like a whole other line. Probably a pretty similar line, actually, when you, when you think about it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we don't just have to, like... It, this isn't just a sexual thing. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know... Um, well, I'm just... I'm, I'm drawing a blank here, but, like, I'm trying to think maybe you'd want to have certain types of conversations or experiences with people that were simulations of True, but let's people you actually know. The majority of people will find that sex is the thing that, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm being overgeneralizing over humanity, but I think sex would be a huge component of this, right? I mean, yeah, having a conversation. You know what, what would be cool, though, would be, and we were having this conversation earlier with like Steve and the guys, we were like, what if, what if in virtual reality, um, your everything you do, everything you say, everything um, that happens to you and how you respond to it gets tracked, logged, stored away for mm-hmm. AI and algorithms to learn from you and perhaps, perhaps, put out a artificial intelligence representation or mirror reflection of you in VR based on so for example like um, so the AI would say based on everything I know about Chris and everything that he said and done I'm pretty sure I'm 85% 90% sure he would make this decision this way and so this thing would have autonomy in the metaverse and you would just come back to it and you know it would tell you hey I went out to the reddit forums and VR and I was looking around and you should meet this person because I like them because you know I'm you in VR that's crazy dude (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean there's going to be intellectual property issues about the self like pretty soon. Like what does it mean to be me and can you abuse being me essentially? Yeah. Yeah. Like imagine all the creepers, all the dudes that weren't able to get that high school sweetheart girl and all of a sudden all it takes for them is just to figure out a way to get 360 
capture of her, bring, you know, port that over into whatever AI they want, you know, and, and give it the personality of Asa Akira with, you know, the girl that next door that you like, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you your dreams come true. <laughs> Is that, that, and then that's weird for the other girl, because she's like, I didn't give you permission to, you know, scan my body and fuck me nine ways to Sunday inside the metaverse, who gave you that permission? I don't know. Is, it, is, that, is this an issue yet? I mean, well, not yet, obviously, but do you think this, this will become an issue? Uh, short answer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about it too yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. What have you been thinking about? Tell me about the things that you've been thinking about lately. I'm oh. curious to know what's inside your mind, Doug. Blue Mayor, by the way, this is Doug. It's been 15 minutes into the conversation, into the most absurd, most unprofessional podcast on the internet. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm Chris Miranda, this is Enter VR, and I'm speaking with a scholar and gentleman of virtual reality. His name is Doug Lemaire, and he's an awesome friend of mine that is also really passionate about VR. Um, so what do you, what do you, what do you, what's in your mind these days? Oh, man. Um, my particular interest is uh, less about AI, I think, uh, and more about uh, storytelling. Uh, so AI sort of implies a level of uh, interactivity and, and uh, unpredictability. And I, I think the, the intersection that I'm most interested in has uh, the, the least to do with uh, interactivity in, in like game-like structures as, as possible, just because you know, my background my background is in film, uh, and while it's uh, immersive cinema is and has inherently has some interactive uh, nature because the person experiencing an, an immersive film uh, can choose to look wherever they want at any given time. Um, other than that necessary interactivity um, I'm more interested in figuring out how can we still tell uh, linear set in stone uh, stories or you know story like experiences like what are those going to be like mm -hmm. and what are you finding out the more you think about these things um <laughs> man uh well, I, I mean, I, I know that uh, immersive storytelling is, it's, it's a brand new thing. Um, it, it's hard to say exactly what direction uh, it's going to go. It's probably going to go in a lot of different directions. Uh, it, it comes, it, it'll, it's informed by not just traditional film, but also uh, theater. Um, if only because, uh, unlike in film, you're actually occupying the same uh, three-dimensional space as uh, whatever performers and actions are being dramatized. Um, and also from game, uh, if only because of the, you know, at least subtly interactive elements. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I, um, I was looking for uh, a, a good definition of cinema and 
on Wikipedia, actually, uh, somewhere in the first few paragraphs, it says like, uh, the, the art of simulating experience, uh, which is really interesting because it's not like the first thing I'd think of when I was trying to define mm-hmm. cinema, but I think it's astute. And, uh, I actually found people referring to, uh, literature, uh, books this way. And I think that you can find, if you're looking for it, a, a continuum from, uh, text-based storytelling to film-based storytelling toward, uh, immersive storytelling, uh, in that they're all, um, striving to simulate another human experience for, for people. Um, and, uh, what that continuum describes is, uh, an increase in the comprehensiveness of the, uh, uh, the phenomenal stuff, the, the sensory stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, as technology enables us to uh, more completely capture those actual uh, sensory uh, channels uh, and, and convey those directly to people, um, I feel like it. it Every time we, we make a, a technological step forward, there's a, a period of resistance mm-hmm. to it and fear that this is compromising the potential for artistry. That uh, it you know it can't help but be less subtle and uh, speak less purely to the soul uh, and only to. Uh, the body and then maybe the mind uh, and I don't doubt that that is true to some extent uh, for some experiences I mean sure uh, you can make more uh, dumb uh, you know I, I mean when you have access to more uh, to convey sensory information more directly it, it's easier to make interesting but kind of dumb not very spiritual uh experiences but i do think it's also possible to to direct that in a way that uh it can seize the soul and and, and convey even more awesome spiritual truths let me ask you what is what do you think where is this continuum leading us to um in, in terms of you know this uh, mediums of self-expression, like what are what is so you talked about books, then cinema, and then immersive. Um, what comes next, and and what is it that what is it that's pushing this forward? What are we what what what's driving this? You know, fundamentally. Well, I've I've already heard this term thrown around. Unfortunately, I can't remember the exact context, but uh, ultimate medium. The final, the final medium, or something. I heard the hard words like that. Yeah. Sure, something yeah. like that. Um, I think ultimately we all want to feel more connected. Uh, I've I've heard people put existence, uh, you know, the, the the like fractured human experience in, in a way like we we are already 
one consciousness. We're just not very organized. Uh, you know, you can glimpse moments of uh, the collective consciousness, our, our interconnectedness, but um, it's overwhelmingly being an individual, uh, an experience of isolation and fear and pain. And uh, I, I believe that it could be better if um, I could be inside everyone I knew uh, more intimately, more deeply. Yeah. That's something that I aspire toward, and I think that's something that a lot of artists share mm -hmm. as, as a mission, to try to turn themselves inside out in one way or another and, and you know, plumb the depths of what makes them themselves uh, indirectly in an effort to to find that which is generalizable and and you know package these explorations and share them in a way that other people can dive into them and mm -hmm. and find similar things about themselves and then thereby uh, you know m modeled after that experience in turn create their own experiences of this sort like I, I do believe that we're all artists. Uh, and I, I think that if you don't think you're an artist, then that's fair. You're probably using a certain, like, maybe superficial definition of artist. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I, so I, I think that um, what would be next after virtual reality uh, would be... Um, I had a friend... Uh, who said this? Oh, it's uh, Alex Voto. Have you met him? Probably okay. not. I gotta introduce you to this guy sometime. Yeah. But he calls it mainlining, which uh, this is basically um, okay to, to introduce mainlining. Yeah. This is what when I I first heard all this stuff about virtual reality recently, I was like, oh god, I want to play Portal in VR. Mm -hmm. I, I want to feel the gravity switching as I pass through this membrane, right? Mm -hmm. We're not going to have that for a while. Mm -hmm. That's going to require uh, wiring in to our brain and like tricking our brain at a level past our eyes, ears, and skin, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by mainlining. Okay. And that technology is basically completely unrelated to the, the, the hardware that we're working on nowadays just to perfect this tier mm -hmm. right but that's coming soon too yeah. and I think that a lot of the lessons that we uh, take from virtual reality uh, from immersive cinema uh, and games and, and, and everything else uh, can be applied to mainlined media but uh, that'll open up uh, even more stuff that'll be more like uh, what I dream about when I when I dream of building virtual drugs you know that's like that's approaching uh, demiurge level where you're like essentially just a creator god mm -hmm. and you can send electrical signals you, you can write a script of electrical signals that will like when applied onto a human mind will give them a type of psychological spiritual experience mm -hmm. uh you know beyond mere sensory information 
uh, that you know they'll react to and populate with their own memories and preconceptions in a in a certain way. So in the end, everyone will have had a similar experience, an experience they can talk about and consider to have shared, but will still be uh, different, just different in a different way than like when you and I watch the same movie together, walk away mm-hmm. with a comparable yet different uh, experience. Maybe this is too far off left and, and maybe this concept or this idea is not in line with what you're thinking, but what if, you know, I remember watching um, the last Godzilla movie a while ago. Uh-huh. And yeah. Remember, remember I got walking, pretty stoked for that one, yeah, too. too. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember walking away like, uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I, I was like, I don't know. Um, it was bad. Yeah. It was, it was bad. But, 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 I remember thinking to myself, well, well this could be, I, I, I can't, how, this could probably be done better in VR. And how could it be done better? Maybe, maybe it could be done better if it's turned into a giant MMO, massive online multiplayer game, wherein everybody is a, a regular human, and there's literally a Godzilla, like giant monster coming out, and, and the, the goal of the game is just survive. That's all there is, and then so, and so people will experience this not not the movie, but their own narrative of trying to survive as Godzilla is fucking going ham in San Francisco or wherever you wherever you are, and then you can come back out of it and realize that oh, you're one of the first people to die, and then you can look at your friends' cameras and just watch them. I mean, there's I feel like you know Hollywood and and and, and all these like brands are sitting on on this on these massive piles of treasure. Ha- if they know how to use them properly, you know. I, I wonder if, if you think that turning movies and franchises into virtual reality experience such slash games, do you think that would be a way to go for the future? What's up, Steve? Hey, what's up? So Steve hey. is joining hey, Steve. us for the podcast. Um, just grab some tacos from 16th Admission. <laughs> um, but it's a good place to get them from. Yeah. What is so? So we're talking about the future of movies, um, and what I'm trying to get at is like, you know, I remember seeing the last Godzilla, Steve, and I remember thinking to myself, this sucks. I, I want to be in VR as a regular person, and I want to see, and I want to see a giant Godzilla all over the place, and I want to survive. Like that would be, oh, yeah, that would be my go. Godzilla movie. And I wonder, like, what, what, what do you think? Is is this? Is this the future of movies in that sense, like, or is that a future of movies? Do you think it could go in that direction, wherein, like, you know, here are all the char- like here's Thor and Iron Man doing their own thing, but you're your own person now. Play your play your narrative somehow in there. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, honestly, that sounds a bit more to me like. Uh, a game? Yeah, it is a game. <laughs> it's definitely a game. A game with like movie elements. Because, because then yeah. again, like, what makes a game a game, and what makes a movie a movie? Especially now that we're bringing in this level of interactivity, it's gonna be harder to, uh, I don't know, to, to that line is gonna be thinner and thinner and grayer and grayer. Yeah, it's been growing thinner and thinner. There's already a number of. Uh, extremely cinematic games out there um, I confess I haven't played Mass Effect or Heavy Rain um, I want to play these games just haven't gotten around to it there's other examples though um, 
blanking on it right now. I mean, like like so the Stanley many... Parable? That yeah. game that game was pretty movie like. Yeah. Um sorry, just So yeah, so 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 you don't know if so so uh, there's no there's no way for so you don't think that game you know, so you think that this is not that games and movies are gonna stay their own lane and we're not gonna see a, a hybrid. Are we gonna see a hybrid? Let me ask you that. Like are we gonna see a hybrid of video games and movies in VR? Um, that we haven't seen yet. Oh yeah, I, I think so. Okay, for I sure. Ask that, like from the beginning. <laughs> no, it, it's all right. Yeah, unless you ask me very direct and simple <laughs> questions, I just like. <laughs> I yeah, I get ranty with my questions. Uh, no, no, yeah. it, it's okay. It's it's me. It's me, not you. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that uh, what I if you force me to to predict. Yeah. I would say, well. Um, genres will kind of coalesce around sweet spots of, uh, and it's not just just simply a continuum from uh, interactive to non-interactive. There's different kinds of interactivity. Uh, you know, like uh, can you actually affect the outcome of the story, or can you mm-hmm. simply affect? Uh, the way in which it, the events unfold, the montage, uh, the the chronological, uh, or not chronological, because chronological sort of implies the like the story itself, but like whether you experience it chronologically or not, mm-hmm. you can maybe affect that, mm-hmm. um, or you could simply affect from which uh, spatial angles you see things at any given time. Like we, we've had that for since DVDs gave you the ability to like. You know, choose the camera angle. <laughs> I never actually did that. Really? They do that? I didn't even yeah, know they, they do that. that it's like, all, like whenever you look at the list of special features, it always says that, and I've never done it. But anyway, yeah, so you can already do that sort of thing. Um, and then there's also like dimensions like, you know, you really are just going to start to have a, a matrix of all different kinds. Like, like uh, not like the matrix kind of matrix. It's going to be like a grid of like, you know, different things that you can interact with and then different ways you can interact with them. Like, are you aware of the capacity in which you are interacting with said thing? Or is it the intention of the author of the experience for you to specifically not have any idea how you're affecting things? Uh, maybe at this point I'm getting so abstract I, it could help if I provided an example. Uh, suppose you've got a... Uh, a standard conversation between two characters scene, like they're sitting at a table at a diner. Maybe the way you'd see this in a normal movie would be a couple, like a master shot to introduce things and then kind of start going back and forth between over-the-shoulder shots, maybe some close-ups mixed in there. The the point being that uh, in an immersive film, since every... Uh, shot or vantage, whatever you're, you're going to want to call this, uh, is in a sense already a first person shot because you are that person mm-hmm. looking around. Um, it might be more natural to uh, experience things from the points of view of the two characters. I feel like point of view shots are not unheard of in 
film and in, in, in television. Mm-hmm. We, we see this pretty often. We're not surprised when we see it, but it is like it's a thing. You know, it's like mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I'm seeing from this character's point of view. Why? It, why am I seeing from this person's point of view? Like this must be important. This is like a meaningful thing that is signaling to me. But maybe in VR, that'd be like not a big deal. That'd just be like the more natural way to experience a scene. Now, now imagine. One way you could experience a scene is always from the perspective of the character who is currently talking. Mm -hmm. So you are made to feel like you are the active character, whichever character that may be at any given second. Alternatively, the, the the author or director or tour whatever you want to call them, the uh, the force that you sense is behind the like storytelling uh, might have you do the opposite always experience it from the perspective of the character being spoken to mm-hmm. uh, both of these are fundamentally passive viewing experiences but one could like give you a uh, kind of a insofar as you are identifying with any character at a given moment such as you already do when you're watching a movie, mm-hmm. a traditional movie um, there's a, a different level of uh, identification with, Yeah, that sounds with pretty exciting, it'd be great to like, <clears throat> I think you'd listen more closely for always the point of view of the talker because you feel like, okay, I'm here I'm talking, and you'd probably follow the story and you'd see everyone's side equally, maybe. If you're, if you're jumping around, you'd see everyone's yeah. point of view. You might be more sensitive to uh, to what you're saying. I mean, uh, you know, right. I'm I'm way more critical of the words that come out of my oh, yeah, mouth exactly. than I am of the words that come out of right. y'all's right. mouths. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, um, a line that a character might say in a traditional movie that you just shrug off is like, "Yeah, some people are like that." Right. Like, right. if you felt the sensation of delivering that line, you'd be like shit, so this is how people get this way, or whatever. Oh, you know? yeah, no. right. And I think we're conditioned also to, like, dra- like to tone out like people bitching at us or whatever, so but if you're... so you, If you're all of a sudden you're the guy bitching at this other person, then you're going to know what the guy says, you're going to take it internally more, maybe. Right. Like, right. Then when it switches back to you, you'll say, oh my god, this guy just said this to me. And, mm-hmm. and this means more. Yeah, I think that's a good idea, for sure. I mean, and then, and then, but are you aware of any experiences or uh, demos out there that are playing with the different perspectives? And, and how are they, are they getting any feedback from people? What are people saying from the different perspectives? Is this being done or what you... uh, The closest I've seen to this so far is um, Coffee Without Words. Have you seen that one? Mm-mm. It's some German person i forget the name anyway just if you just google coffee coffee without words uh it places you in a male body sitting at a cafe table uh there's no words so it's not a conversation but um whoever built this demo did go to uh good lengths to uh work on the eye contact uh so the woman who's sitting across from you, her eyes wander around the room. Um, I guess I don't quite get the sense that she's actually looking from thing to thing, so it's not like photorealistic by any means, mm-hmm. but uh, 
she will make eye contact back to you if you try to make eye contact with her. Sometimes. Other times, she will specifically avoid making eye contact with you when you try to make eye contact with her. Mm-hmm. It's one of the more interesting cool, yeah. experiences I've had, and I would like to see more of that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Um, and, and I feel like I, I kind of got off track from what, what I was originally talking about with like types of interactivity, though. Yeah. And, and I would just... I imagine that sometimes... Uh, which char- in in this example of two characters sitting at a cafeteria, a cafe table having a conversation, um, it might whose perspective you experience it from might depend on your choices, such as to make eye contact or not. Like what I'm trying to say is maybe the the experience would be programmed so that uh, as long as you hold eye contact with the other person. Uh, you'll stay um, as as that person, but if you break eye contact, then they'll decide. Oh, oh okay, time idea. to switch you. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Or vice versa. Maybe it'll be like, yeah, you know, it could be something like that, um, or it could just you know depend on other things. Like if you make eye contact with uh, the waitress or something, then then like events could change. Mm-hmm. Like the girl could yell at you. <laughs> Are you are you are you working with a team? Are you working on something in particular for for VR? You- um, well, sadly, I was out of commission for a few months. Uh, Rift was bricking my Windows. I oh, know. I could not do anything about it. Uh, as soon as Windows 10 came out, though, I, I I'm back in action. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. I'm I'm trying to get my my uh, mileage out of my DK too. Mm-hmm. Um, so the current uh, goal is to have something ready for the VR camp at Burning Man, which I'm not even I'm not even going to Burning Man, but uh, I've always wanted to contribute some art to Burning Man since I I went many years ago, uh, and so this is like. A decent opportunity to do so. So I have an idea. I've I've just started working on it. I, I hope to. I'm all ears. What's this idea? Is it is it secret? Is it are you not? Can you share it? Yet? Secret until I've got a little more. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. You might jinx it if you spill exactly. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. Anyway, but yeah. Um, other than that, like uh, before this happened, uh, or before I, I lost. VR development powers. I like. I did a little work on a on a mobile game, uh, and that kind of got stuck by some technical issues. So that's on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working on a virtual reality animated film, uh, which also ended up on the back burner. That team. It was a really great team, uh, but people involved kind of like went different directions. Great directions. Uh, all, all good, but you know, unfortunately, still no final animated film came with that. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have I worked on? Uh, I did build a dynamically spatial sound sculpture, which I don't expect uh, a whole lot of people are going to be like super stoked to check out, but it's very intellectually interesting to me. Uh, the idea being that um, it kind of imbues the auditory 
sense with uh, some qualities of the visual sense. Yeah. Meaning that normally, you know, you only see what's in front of you, mm. but you hear everything in all directions. Uh, in this case, you kind of the direction you're looking uh, affects sounds that are coming from that direction. Something that's possible to achieve in physical reality, but way easier to achieve in a virtual environment. Yeah, I've so. seen some demos like that, and they're always super interesting. You look at the uh, like a guitar player playing, and you only hear the guitar. You look at the drum, you hear only the drums, and you're like this. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, there's one demo. I, th- I forgot where it is, but it's uh, maybe it's on a. Is it on Gear VR? Maybe. Oh, please send that to me. Okay, we have one here. We can, no. I, I think I'm, I'm, I think it might be that. I think it's on Gear VR, but I'm not sure. Yeah, and that reminds me of another thing that I saw this German person. I don't even know if it's a man or woman. It's just a person, German person. Uh, they they did. This isn't sound related, but um, it's a a room. Everything is white, but whatever you're looking at gets textured. Oh, that's cool. It's wow. wild. That's, that sounds, uh, see, that sounds like, cool. Like everything turns into color and. 3D as you're like yeah. Around. yeah that's cool well it's all 3D right it's all 3D but it's just all white or something yeah just kind of like everything's painted this dull white something oh that's cool yeah. in terms of the uh, your experience working on the virtual reality animated film can you talk about some of the lessons that you walked away from that like what is it's it, it sounds really hard to make an animated virtual reality film but but I have no clue like what do you what, what did that look like um storytelling is hard right. in immersive cinema editing is is really hard mm-hmm. we hardly made it past the like just technically getting control of the the cam excuse me the camera and like getting it to do the right things when it's time for an edit uh, responding appropriately to the direction the experiencer happens to be looking uh, at the time the edit occurs, and I mean the the moments that you cut from shot to shot uh, also needs to have some flexibility. Uh, you know, where in traditional film, there's no flexibility there mm-hmm. whatsoever. Um, yeah, I mean, I. It's my belief coming out of working on that film that um, continuity editing, uh, this is a, a film theory term uh, that refers to things that people take for granted when they're watching a, a narrative film. Uh, things like uh, one shot shows a character. The character's eye is looking somewhere. The next shot is the thing they're looking at. You piece it together. <clears throat> or one shot shows a character um, opening a door. The next shot shows the other side of the door of them going into a room. Mm-hmm. Like You piece the, the spatial reality behind the scene together. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Uh, that's just not going to be as practical or important mm-hmm. at all. I think... Uh, so what's we're, we're the sol- see. what's the solution like to, to like driving or continuing or keeping that continuity going? Like what's the what, what needs to be um, what it, yeah what needs to be implemented in VR for, for you to have a consistent continuous narrative? Well, so we take uh, continuity editing for granted, especially if we're 
primarily accustomed to watching modern, especially Hollywood style movies. That's just become uh, the accepted way to edit film together um, for the mainstream because it's really easy to watch and understand. Um, but this style of editing had to be researched, developed, refined over the years, and it was by no means obvious or considered necessary. Uh, if you watch earlier films and, and, and more um, experimental films throughout the years, uh, you can find a, you know a vast world of of ways to piece shots together um, that convey connections between um, you know segments of, of moving picture uh, that are more symbolic or thematic um, or sometimes narrative but in a, a perhaps more abstract way a way that's not as bound to like visual, physical continuity. Um, for example, like, so you and I, we just watched El Topo recently. I'm not saying this is like the, or we all watched El Topo. Right. Right? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, this is a, like a, a 70s kind of experimental, surreal Western. Uh, and each shot, you know, it's not like it's just jumping all over the place, but it's not like always character picks up the gun uh, and then the next shot is a different angle of the character pointing a gun at mm. someone. Uh, it, it tends to have a lot more leaps in time uh, and, and just kind of connecting things that are, uh, you know, related. Like he's making a, each shot is like a piece of a, point that he's trying to get across mm. yeah there's um, and, and so um, last 10 minutes I'm going to use the last 10 minutes of our conversation to go into the, back, the rabbit hole uh, so unless right. you have something that is in the back of your head that you really want to speak about before we step into the unknown um, please no, I mean I could I could go down my own rabbit hole of uh, which filmmakers I think are going to be the biggest influences on yeah. <laughs> virtual reality storytelling. But yeah, we can say that for another time. Let me ask you this question. I mean, the the thing that I'm struggling with um, with immersive virtual reality experiences is this notion that if you want to make money, um, you want people to come back to your experience. Um, there's this, there's this, there's this notion, and this assumption that things are digital things are more valuable if people are using it more. Like you know what I'm saying? Like like there's a difference between watching a, a movie and using Twitter, right? And so my my thinking is, is it a problem that people will experience your virtual reality movie once and will never come back to it again? Like is that something that virtual reality filmmakers are perfectly okay with and are you also perfectly okay with the implications that that might mean that people might value virtual reality films at a lower 
perhaps lower than than apps because apps and games you spend more time in, whereas a movie is just an hour. It's just and then and, and then that's it. Like, you know, what do you think of that perspective? Whoa, that's that question is a big surprise to me. Not that I, I well, how to put it. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that virtual reality cinema has inherently greater replay value than traditional cinema. Right. Because you can only look one direction at a time. Right. And uh, immersive cinema authors can, if they choose to, create uh, experiences that... um, that, that can't be taken in in their entirety right. one time through. Right. E- right. Even if you do, you make something that, like, unlike a game, has right. a very, like, you know, it's it's always ten minutes. It's the same ten minutes mm-hmm. of stuff, the exact same stuff. You can't even affect it. Mm-hmm. You might still have to, uh, I mean, like, take 360 degrees, spherical degrees, and d- divide that by the field of view, and, like, that's like the minimum number of times you'd have to watch it to like <laughs> just literally have seen everything that there is to see yeah. in it. Um, but and, what my, my, my question oh, I'm sorry, is I'm geared more missed. towards like comparing virtual reality movies versus virtual reality apps and games. In the minds of the consumer, my oh, worry okay, that consumers will view virtual reality movies as less valuable than games and apps because of the replay value that yeah maybe I can play this movie three times right because uh, you know I can fill in the field of view but but this game I'm spending 90 hours in and in that sense you know I wonder if that's going to affect you know the pockets of creators and then and in that sense also create you know affect the medium itself hmm I, I don't disagree. I can see that, but I don't see how that's really any different than right. the current state of non-immersive cinema versus non-immersive game. Yeah, the, and so the reason why I ask that is like, how do we not repeat what's currently happening in, in this new medium that is still yet to arrive to the masses? I mean, is it is there is there value in learning from the past or learning from what's currently happening and figuring out ways to not repeat it? You know, and what can creators do to keep people coming back to their virtual reality films um, uh, and make them pay more? Do, do people not like films anymore? No, they do. I mean, they do, but I'm, again, I'm comparing them against these two this this other thing. I'm, I'm comparing the in terms of time spent. You know, people are going to spend more time playing games, possibly, right, versus a movie. And is that, in the minds of the consumer again, is that going to make, skew them uh, in a buy, giving them a bias, you know, making them think that movies are less valuable um, and therefore making them less, pay, pay, pay less for them? And um, yeah, I think that sounds like it's probably going to happen. Right. I think that game-like experiences are going to uh, become increasingly popular and uh, non-game-like cinematic type experiences are going to become relatively less and less Mm -hmm. popular 
but I guess I'm okay with that. Maybe I was digging for a solution that I already thought that might work, which is maybe, maybe the way for virtual reality filmmakers to adapt will be incorporating more interactivity. And then, and then, then movies would. But then, but you, but you want to. But in your mind, you think that. And I feel like you might. You're. you're I feel like that there's. You're right. There's a spectrum of creation. You're gonna see movies that are just straight up linear. Strap on. You're not gonna. You have no effect in what's gonna happen into in this experience. And then maybe you're gonna have others where it's it's a bit more flexible. And yeah, maybe you can nod your head and say yes. And it'll take you on a certain path, and you'll finish off on that, on that path. <clears throat> yeah, I have no, no doubt that those things are going to exist and all. Right. Uh, what if a movie turns into something like a comic strip, where every week it's a little different story, so you, every time you log in, it's like, okay, now the characters are doing this, and they're baking a cake, and they're... Oh. You know, and this joke, and they had, you know, so maybe they had short little episodes, yeah. but it seemed like the same movie. You'd call it the same thing. It's like, you know, life of... You know, Winnie the Pooh or whatever, you know. You, you, you zoom in, you're in Winnie the Pooh's house, he's doing different things, and you think it's great, and then you come back next week, it's another story. It's like, oh yeah, it's like a sitcom, but it's, it feels like the same movie. It's like, because it feels real. It's like, <clears throat> you're dropping on this guy's life. Yeah, I mean, that's all, that's a, another, like, endlessly fascinating dimension uh, that a, a potential <clears throat> form of media could go down. Like, we already have these days episodic content right. television episodes mm-hmm. uh where um the amount of feedback that the creators of the show get from the audience in between episodes and in between seasons is strong enough the influence strong enough that uh the audience can steer the direction of the show this is already happening oh, yeah. but now we can move it toward like it could even be it is the same Episode right. over and over, but like over time, the people that watch it are able to like subtly influence oh, yeah, and sure. affect it. Right, right. Or maybe even just and it becomes like something. Lines new. could change. I mean, like a joke could change. Even simple stuff. Yeah. Well, sure. that'd be I mean, crazy. See, yeah. my, I don't know. That's I mean, a- I mean, it's just like like you <laughs> might, I might open a bar, and I have an idea of what this bar's vibe is going to be like. But then, like certain people start coming to it and they take it in their own direction I can't do anything about that and maybe right, I don't right. want to maybe right. I just wanted to create a, a template which other people as a collective could take in whatever and direction the, they and the creator, to and the creators of the movie too could, it could be like a full time job every day they're tweaking stuff and every day they're thinking like oh yeah we could like have a little scene where he walks outside and does this and that and gets a pizza delivered and mm-hmm. this joke happens and then and then, then if it yeah. bombs and no one likes it then you take that part out and just morph it in small little ways so you could actually watch it Ten times every time, slightly different. Dude, yeah, I mean, you, there could be like a, a version <clears throat> history of the episode. Oh, yeah, you could yeah, be yeah. like, oh yeah, my favorite version of this episode is like two point one. Yeah, like what you like version three point five? What's wrong? What's they wrong? ruined <laughs> it, version three. Yeah, or, or think yeah. of like you know Saturday Night Live skit. Like you'd have like it'd be the skit, and then every they could just tweak it mm-hmm. slightly. Yeah, I mean, this is not too dissimilar from what's going on with reboots. Anyway, right? Oh yeah, like people right. People are just right. like already right. remaking the same right, right. story. It's the same thing. It's just more super iterative. Like every week, they do right? Every exactly. Week. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, that's your idea about episodic model. The episodic model is, I think, answered my question really well in terms of how do you keep people coming back? Yeah, yeah. I cool. think that, yeah. that would work. Then it's, it's yes. another, then it becomes game-like too. Like this, you know, the the thing that Oculus is doing. It's all done in, in Unreal Engine. So 
if you know Unreal Engine, you can just tweak the story and then repost mm -hmm. another version or have it stream levels like randomly or something. Yeah, the tools are only going to get easier to use. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. no one even bats an eye like, oh, I want to make a <clears throat> meme. I just go to memegenerator.com, whatever. Oh, yeah, done. Yeah. You know, people can just like... Mm -hmm. Or you can even have like, I you know, yeah, like in the movie, but it has like hundreds of these little sub-levels that are randomly loaded. So every time you, every time you jump into this world, you, you just randomly get thrown, you know, whatever parts you happen to be randomly thrown. And it's slightly different every time. But if you love the character and love the scene and love the love everything about it, then you'd be coming back all the time. Oh, I wonder if what's going to happen if I log in again and see it again. Mm -hmm. Another scene's going to load and the pizza delivery guy's going to shoot himself and, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or something crazy is going to happen. Yeah. Then you can surprise people, like, what? how crazy can we get it? You know, like... Yes. Um, or how weird can you get it? Like this, like the... What was that Saturday Night Live skit? The shark? Land shark? Land shark, yeah, or the, yeah, the uh -huh. tele telegram or whatever, like telegram, and you're like, land shark, yeah. <laughs> like, you could do crazy shit like that, and you, you get new jokes, and some jokes would be great, and some would be bad, but the good ones would float to the top, and then more people could, like, you know, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think there's, there's room for so much, you know, experimentation here. Yeah, there's room for everything. Yeah. For sure. Like, I want to inhabit, I want to inhabit a, a virtual reality Sims environment like the right, sims right, yeah, and, I, yeah. and i want to and i want these these sims to be actual virtual reality life forms of some sort yeah but you want to design somewhere you want like professional creators to actually make these things make sense it can't just be like random like people are walking around you want to have like a design like here's a scene where like this happens and maybe you you would see it but your friends wouldn't see it because it's like randomly shuffled so you say oh my god i saw the, the episode of the shark the land shark and then oh, no one else has seen it on Earth because it's like yeah. you happened to get lucky that one day and you got randomly tossed to you. Yeah. That'd be cool. I, I wouldn't underestimate the power of fans, though. Have you all seen this Bart Kira thing that's Bart happening? Bart Kira? Bart Kira? No. No, no. Fans, the, the intersection of fans of The Simpsons and the anime Akira from this Japanese anime from the 80s uh, are making a, a new version of the movie but with all the characters substitute for Simpsons characters. Whoa. It, <laughs> That's cool. It's going to be amazing. That sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah I, love, I love how um, there's this influx of creativity just coming out of, you know, blending the 80s and the 90s and all the different franchises and IPs. Yeah. Um, Kung Fury. Have, have you seen Kung Fury on YouTube? I did see that. I saw that. the tra trailer yeah. and it looked pretty funny. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. It's like it's like it's my childhood <clears throat> packed into a short film about <laughs> Hitler and dinosaurs. Who the fuck would want that? <laughs> it's awesome. Um, it was pretty wild. It is. It is. It is really good. What do you think about the VR landscape? The VR cinema landscape as it stands. I mean, is is there momentum going forward? Is there is there is, is there stagnation? What do you, what do you, what do you? Oh gosh, it's hard to say exactly. I, I'm sure a lot of people feel like uh, outsiders, but I, I really do feel like an outsider. I'm not like professionally working for one of the the big yeah, you virtual pay reality than most people, right? Companies. Um, I feel like I'm pretty tuned in to what's going on, though. I try to go to the, the events. I am fortunate to be living here in the Bay Area, where a lot of really cool stuff is going on. Uh, I, for me, until someone gets a uh, light field capture down, like mm. for real, I'm not really that interested in in, in going for it. Um, 
do you know what I mean by light field capture? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. that's stuff yeah. that Boy Toy has. And, <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Um, and like Google Jump came out, and yeah. people were like, oh, you got to check this out. I don't think they've quite got it. There's still a lot of artifacts when you move your head back and forth, at least from what we can tell from the footage they've shared online. I think it's totally solid for like, you know, just sharing experiences from friend to friend and that sort of thing, like casual. Yeah. Uh, use, but it's not like cinematic level light field capture. We, we've seen like perfecto uh, still light field capture, like with Otoy's like crazy thingamajigger that spins the camera in yeah. all directions and all. Yeah. Um, and yeah, maybe you could suture that together with some like um, wh- whatever their holographic stages are called, I forget. You know, where they've just got, like, hundreds of cameras in every direction. Mm. And they, like, piece together an actor's performance. And then you can just, like, copy-paste them in, into the space and do a lot of CG to, like, simulate uh, live action. Such that you can be there and you can move your head and get that parallax. Yeah. For me, without the parallax, with just, like, mm-hmm. the the traditional just kind of, like, spherical rig, mm-hmm. it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, until then, we've, we've got animation. yeah. <clears throat> so so, how far away is and, and by the way so do you are you so confident in light field technology that you think it's going to replace modern day cameras do you think do you think that once we have light field video that is you know do you, you know why would we need cameras then do we are, are people going to are we might oh I don't you mean like will will like Lytro like cameras just replace DSLRs as well mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. oh man I don't know. I hadn't thought too much about that. I mean, I, I feel like you know, we, we've still got radio. Like people still listen to the radio. I don't think the old forms are going to go away. Those those still be niches that yeah. are into it. And I don't know. I guess I don't think too much about. What do you think about the big uh, VR cinema studios like uh, DreamWorks, like Oculus Story Studio, like uh, I'm sure Disney is doing something in that. I mean, what do you what do you think about their approach to cinema and, and virtual and immersive, you know, storytelling? I mean, are you yeah? What what's your general thoughts on them? Uh, <laughs> I mean, gratitude and suspicion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm grateful that uh, you know some really creative and thoughtful people um, have the money and power to, uh, you know, already being, be exploring the, the like, the, the real nuances in, 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 you know, pioneering this stuff. So all, all power to them. That's great. I, I'm sure, though, that uh, given their, uh, the context, they'll be striving toward achieving something which ultimately I'm not that into personally as more of a, an experimental wacko type guy. <laughs> um, I mean, they're probably going to be going straight for the heartstrings and, and the, and the horror and mindfuck type stuff. And, um, I don't know. I, I can't wait until this, uh, technology is like truly democratized in, in the way yeah. that we're seeing, uh, traditional films, starting to be yeah. it's funny you know what I, I, I agree with your sentiment I'm more excited about what other 
humans have out there to share than Pixar and Disney and Marvel. Uh, like I, like somewhere out there, there's an Alexander Jordowski of virtual reality hiding, waiting to you know to be waiting for the right equipment for the right software to to become accessible enough for them to yeah. unleash. It's just a matter of time, right? Yeah, I mean, if we want to, if the ultimate goal is to bring all the people, all the consciousnesses on the planet closer together, we don't need more, like, white dudes with capes and hammers <laughs> jumping around. You know, we need we need more of this, like, you know, handing out laptops and cameras to people in the third world and just, like, seeing what they make. Yeah. And, and, and once too. they have... 360 cameras too then we're like then everyone's literally everywhere yeah whenever they want and and that's the dream that is that's well, what is it is it um it's a dream definitely but yeah it is, it's you, a dream it's, a, it's definitely <laughs> no one has a dream <laughs> what, you, what am i saying <laughs> are there is there that uh, are there downsides mm-hmm. to this that that new level connectivity that this might bring you know what do you think it's, it's going to do do you think that it's my the str- how will in an era with so much connectivity how will the individual the self remain you know comfortable with 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 being itself while at the same time having this flood of connectivity coming at you and and and, and all of a sudden i mean how how will that balance work between the individual and the masses Especially with technology coming in. What do you think, Steve? <laughs> uh, let's see. So, um, well, I don't, I'm not a Zen guy, but they always say there is no self. So maybe we'll mm. get more Zen-like, and we'll just be like conscious, and we'll just be like experiencing all this stuff, and maybe it'll be great. Maybe, Word. Maybe, maybe it won't be an issue. <laughs> yeah. But I'm yeah. Not, I mean, I mean, I also see like the opposite effect happening, where uh, technology is enabling us to reinforce our beliefs about ourselves more easily. Uh, even things like your Facebook newsfeed, you might feel like, oh, I'm more more connected to the people around me than I ever could have been before. I'm more connected to oh, yeah. things that are happening all over the planet, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but when you think about it, you're not just getting like a flat feed of everything and anything. It's a corporation is using the most advanced techniques they can to figure out to give you exactly what you want to hear. Yeah. And that's only going to get stronger and stronger. If you, if that is what you want is to massage the patterns that are forming ingraining in your own consciousness that will be that path will be available to you mm-hmm. increasingly and increasingly yeah. and will have a world of superficially connected but even more separate entities and i'm not saying that that is a nightmare either like maybe that's cool and fine yeah. but it's just like a thing to think about. You know, the other thing that I'm thinking about is like, all right, how, aside from corporations and aside from the profit motive, 
to keep people coming back to VR? What, what are other motives that people might have? I, I've thought about starting a church of the giant spaghetti monster uh, <laughs> chapter here, <laughs> and and you know oh is that a, that's a thing it is a thing it's got to be a thing of there, course there is, there is actual church of the giant spaghetti monster and, and we call ourselves I'm actually a member I'm a, we call ourselves pastafarians uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know it, 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 like just joking aside I think is this like the Discordians kind of yeah deal? okay yeah. I don't know that much about it's Discordians just guys that are like you college students somewhere in Europe that started this you know church just to make fun of religion in general but the the, the thing is in, in in terms of motives you know how easy would it be to trap someone or give them some someone give someone an environment that has just these affirmation you know cycles fed into them constantly like the the thing with with the internet that's beautiful right now is this unleashing of truth and information right and and sure it's a flood and sure it's like we have to be good at being able to filter where the truth is and where it isn't and sometimes we don't even know where the fuck the truth is but but i wonder with vr like are are we is is humanity going to become more truthful that's what i'm asking and if not jeez if not (laughs) (laughs) and if not like What's what's what are the consequences of, of this? You know, uh, what is truth? <laughs> How do you define truth? <laughs> it's the only place you can. That's the thing. Yeah. God damn it. Well, like you know, the the Back novel the Brave New World was kind of about that. I guess like they just made all the citizens like on drugs and having sex and being happy, and they're kind of trapped in that little bubble world of just like pleasure and. Uh, Mm-hmm. So yeah, they could trap us. I mean, made 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 it happen. We'll we'll be slaves to like this. Uh, slaves to pleasure. Uh, pleasure. Yeah. And is that a way to live, though? <laughs> would you Would you want to live a slave to ple- to pleasure? It's hard to say. Yeah, because it's kind of heavy, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> 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 I'm, like, I'm, I'm hesitating too. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, there's a lot more. Yeah possible than that that's true um i guess it depends if it's a limited pleasure or if it's like a pleasure that's always expanding and growing and getting better and better sure Mm. yeah i mean Mm. there's nothing wrong with euphoria but like i I think what what made brave new world so interesting to me was that it's not it can't simply it can be reduced simply to a utopia or a dystopia there it's it's a really thought-provoking mix right. of the two <clears throat> and it, it yeah it questions whether peace is the main ultimate goal I, I, I guess would be one way to put it or or if uh, constant expansion at the risk of pain and disruption is like maybe better Right, right. Because you can't... I mean, you can't create anything without destroying something. You can't... If only whatever it was that was... I mean, you're not having the thing before. Like, that's a destruction in an abstract sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, growth is violent. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry. But, but, I mean, the the question that this leads me to, like, to think about is, is can you have... Can you have peace for a species like ours um, without the self? 
Like, do we have to remove aspects of the self, like ambition and greed and, you know, what else do we need, do we need to remove them from the self? And then, and, then, and then whatever comes out from there, is that still human? Even though we might have peace as a as a species, like should we should we remove these things? I mean, I guess yeah. if you, mm, I would like to think that it, we could have both a transcendence while maintaining what we arose from. Um, I think that greed and conflict are in suffering even are like interesting things uh i don't know why this this word is popping to my head but zoo like almost like if humanity could be put in a zoo of sorts where uh you know, we we we're observing what we used to be for our continued pleasure and inspiration um, but we're apart from it mm-hmm. putting it as a zoo sounds awful I mean zoos are immoral <laughs> institutions in, in my opinion uh, but uh, yeah there, there's got to be a better word but to describe what I'm going for here but um, if uh humans could be allowed to, you know, maybe keep reinforcing their own individuality, individualities. Um, but those individualities were interesting and worthwhile to the peaceful being that they had like com- all combined into, then that sounds like the best of both worlds mm-hmm. to me. How do we get? I mean, how could we possibly get there, where from where we are now? I mean, considering the state of the internet and how, I mean, it, it's just it's so it, it's so interesting what um, it's so interesting to see it evolve and, and see what you know the what the hive mind is turning into. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. especially as more and more people are coming online in the next five years, we're expecting what four billion more people, and you know what is that collective's brain? You know, flood going to do I the mean, hive mind. I think that if we can uh, avoid any major existential crises, like mm. blowing up the planet or all catching some virus or something, uh, ruining the environment, etc., uh, and solve a lot of the major social issues, probably starting with. I mean, we could, we could already do this. We're just like too stupid and warlike and genocidal to to actually make it happen. Like, there's no need for a a, a non scarcity economy left in the world where like rich people have one percent of the people have like ninety nine percent of the wealth and everyone else has nothing. Like, we should be able to have robots harvesting all the food we need to like keep our human bodies alive so that we can all focus on whatever we're more most interested in becoming mm-hmm. you know exploring our own like unique snowflake 
blinding rainbowy crystals of light, whatever we want to become, you know, uh, and just join in some crazy shared virtual reality where we can exchange those things. I have this theory that when, when it, and maybe it's, and it's sort of in line with what you're, sort of in line with what you're saying. I mean, when Well, I wasn't really saying anything intelligible, so <laughs> don't, don't aspire to it. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 does get, it will get to a point where robots and AI will do a lot of work. And this is something that I'm, um, I feel like enter, I should change this podcast name from enter VR to enter AI because I, I switch back and forth between AI and VR constantly. And it's just, because there's such such an intersection between the both. Anyway, you know what I'm the, the thing is I'm thinking about is like when the robots are doing all the work, what are humans are, are what are humans left to do? Um, and my theory and the thing that I bounce around is like, all right, well, we as individuals could, like what you said, figure out what it is that gives us meaning. Um, get figure out what it is that gives us purpose and maybe the journey to figuring that out is is the thing or who knows it's in, it's individual so it's it's up to you right um, the other thing as a collective mass what we could be doing is party and we would be partying till the ends of the universe because honestly what is left to do honestly after the robots are doing all the work so I think this is going to be, this is the future of humanity. <laughs> Once uh, we, we cross past the singularity, <laughs> it's just going to be us, you know, in VR and AR, navigating it, exploring it, and exploring ourselves, figuring out what it is that we want to do, and yeah. then collectively partying and giant, holding giant burning mans all over the world. <laughs> right. A lot of people agree with this. This is uh, this is true. I, I mean, and this is not like, and this is sort of ideas that I've like picked up from different people, and you, know, Steve and James, and you know, like uh, it just. And, and the more I think about it, the more I'm like, okay, well, I need to, because there's so much shit that could go wrong. Like, yeah. there's so much that could go wrong, and that, and this is the thing. This is this is the best scenario that I can possibly think of. Yeah, and I'm just holding on to this. Well, maybe you don't want to read this then, but I read this really interesting paper once called uh, Fun Theory mm -hmm. by a guy named Eliza Yudkowsky. Mm -hmm. He's, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, actually. I don't get that many opportunities to talk about him with people in person, sadly. Uh, but he's a futurist, and what he means by fun is, like, is fun in the universe uh, exhaustible? The way he defines fun is novel experiences to be had like novel problems to solve in a, in a more like mathematical logical kind of sense like is it possible that we could figure out everything in the universe and get bored god damn it Doug god damn it you, I... like, like the party could end like we could get to the <laughs> point where like yeah we're basically just gonna party forever but then, like, eventually the booze is going to run out or something. Or after 500 years, we realize, like, yeah, we partied every single, from every single angle we could have possibly partied. And now we've exhausted. Yeah. Yeah, then... It's theoretically possible. I'm not going to discount that, yeah. yeah. But fortunately, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a long way to go before we, we really have to worry about that. What's the best case scenario once uh, AI becomes conscious and sentient um, for humanity? What do you think? That 
to make some really cool art. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that that it helps us find ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? Where where are we? What where 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 are we trying to find ourselves? What are you? Well, so far, some of my favorite experiences with artificial intelligence have been uh, with, like uh, neural networks trying Ooh. trying to simulate uh, human behavior in, in writing and this sort of thing. There's this thing called "What Would I Say?" Did you hear this? Mm-mm. This is like big, maybe a couple of years ago. You just like linked your Facebook account, your Twitter account, or whatever, and it analyzed all the things you'd ever said and then generated novel things that you might say. I think it's just using like a a Markov chain or something like this where it just like looks at every word individually that you've ever said and then what is the most statistically of all the words you would ever say after that word which word do you say the most? Anal sex. Right, so if you ever type anal like maybe... 60% 60% of the time, the next word you type is sex. Wow. And like 40% of the time, uh, the, the, the next word you say is probe or whatever, right? So, so that, like, it, just following this pattern from word to word, it can generate entire sentences. And I'm drastically oversimplifying this, but right. this basic principle is behind uh, things like this. And it's hilarious. <laughs> it's some of the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life really it's, unca- it, it's uncanny <laughs> sometimes it doesn't make any sense sometimes it's like Englishy, so it's like tapping into my, my same kind of like oh it's not quite English <laughs> kind of humor but other times it's like oh my god I might have said something like that one day Whoa, <laughs> you know and, and, and these things are just getting better and better you can train them mm-hmm. over time uh, that um, the deep dream deal that's like a visual example of the same kind of thing uh, there's a there's a thing called Robo Rosewater that's uh, that came out recently. Uh, this was fed a corpus of Magic the Gathering playing cards, and is I heard about that one. Yeah. Yeah. So any former or current players of Magic <clears throat> the Gathering, uh, check this thing out. It it's funny whether or not the card it, it generates makes any sense. Sometimes it makes sense in a hilarious way. Sometimes it doesn't make sense in a hilarious way. But That's like, crazy. so th- this isn't quite art yet but I mean people have been working on uh, generative music artificial intelligences for for decades Uh, people have built robots that'll generate new uh, pieces by Mozart that will confuse the hell out of Mozart experts like they're very convincing Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just that's child's play really like but what if uh, we could teach artificial intelligences the principles that inform great works of art uh, at a high enough level that uh, they could create new works of art that would inspire us and, and uh, provoke us. Let me play devil's advocate because that's, alright, the, the, the devil's advocate point would say, like, Doug, but this is implying, or you're saying that art can be formulaic, that you can turn art into a formula, and, and isn't there something deeper to art, isn't there something that comes from, that, that's innately human, that's innately unique, that comes out of fucking nowhere, and then it's out there, and, all, and, 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 and then you see it, but with AI, it's like, it's like we can, 
can't, can't we just can't we tell where it's coming from? You know, if we dig deeper into the code, I mean, what do you think? And then and then that and then so the question is like, I, yeah, I think this this is a it's, it's good that you you know play this this particular devil's advocate. I guess my response to this is that ultimately humans are machines too. We're just mm-hmm. like really poorly understood ones. All right. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yes, yeah. that's true. That's I, true. I mean, this is just like anyone who's worried about like are machines going to have like souls? It's pretty much the same concern. Like, uh, can a machine make art or not? I mean, I, I think this is actually going to even be easier for machines to make uh, inspiring valuable art uh, than it will be for them to pass the Turing test and just like convince us in a in a conversation because art's like more open to interpretation and abstract so people can take from it what they want I, whereas, I, whereas in conversations the rules are way more specific right. about how to, to contribute and in yeah, fact. give me give me two hours with an AI and I and I'll figure out whether it's human or not. I mm-hmm. mean, right now. Yeah. <laughs> Five years from now, probably not. Who knows? We'll see. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's all accelerating so fast, isn't it? Um, and are you are you? I mean, what are you? Are you planning for the future? In and based on what you sort of are seeing, like is what I'm saying is is your knowledge of AI affecting your plans for the future? Like, or are you just yeah. going about... Short answer, yeah. Yeah? Okay, or are you going about as if it's 1995 and, you know, pay your 401k, uh, save up for retirement. Um, I mean, <laughs> you're laughing, but... <laughs> no, I mean... But you're, I mean, what do you think? I struggle with that I question. probably subconsciously make worse decisions than I would otherwise because I'm like eh this wrist I mean whatever I I broke my wrist recently and like haven't been taking as good care of it as I probably should have been uh, much to the chagrin of my those closest to me I'm sorry those of you listening Uh, probably because I'm just like yeah whatever I'll just get a robot hand or like I'll go into a virtual reality and have a virtual hand like whatever this is gonna happen in in a few decades so like yeah that's probably uh, artificial intelligence is in my plans to to some extent perhaps uh, as an artist I'm realizing more and more that I'm not that interested in myself in creating artists. I think there, there are a lot of uh, technical artists out there that are very interested in um, not writing music and, and games and films, absolutely, but instead focusing on uh, the artistic uh, parameters and constraints, uh, the rules that govern uh, an experience, and then just like setting a machine out to come up with different impressions and realizations of those uh, inputs um, or turning it over to uh, a combination of uh, humans and artificial intelligences to create those experiences. I mean, you could say that this is already happening with like uh, a computer game. Like 
you know, developers sat down and came up with the rules of StarCraft, mm-hmm. and they wrote some artificial intelligences that play the same role that a player would play in that game, and then they put them out in the world with a bunch of humans, and then they create a metagame. And that metagame is something fascinating and beautiful that the creators of the game didn't directly create, but they knew they were going to, like, form the substrate for. This is probably, this is a really similar example to, like, uh, what I said earlier about what if I wanted to sit out and create a bar and then, like, offer that up to the world to, like, turn into uh, whatever it wants. So, like, as, as artificial intelligence has become closer and closer to the capabilities that normal humans have, then these two motivations, interests, whatever you want to call it, are going to become more and more similar. So I think to differentiate myself from that approach to um, introducing art into the world, I'm more interested in focusing inwardly just on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mean in like a crazy egocentric way. Maybe I do. I don't know. And if you do, it's okay. <laughs> what I mean is, I, yeah, I'm, I'm more interested in when I sit down with a set of intentions and constraints, what do I come up with? Mm-hmm. And that's a good question to ask. <laughs> and, and I want to believe that um, that's going to remain interesting to other people whether they be human or artificial intelligent uh, in the future, that, that non-collective works of art will, rem- will continue to uh, hold the attention. Speaking of the future, what, uh, what sorts of things are you planning for the future? What do you think, uh, what should people expect to have, you know, to, to get a taste uh, from, of, of your, you know, melting pot soup of ideas, like, you know, uh, I, I know you got that Burning Man project. Uh, crossing my fingers, I hope, I hope we get to see it. Uh, but you know, what else are you planning for the future? How, how do you intend on uh, on bringing forth your self-expression to the to the forefront? Hmm. Wow. Um, gosh. Well, I recently. Had my uh, had a tarot reading. A tarot reading. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever had this before? Like the card reader. Yeah. Yeah. Like what Jodorowsky is really interested in. Huh. Uh, and the dilemma that I posed to the guy reading my cards was that um, I feel like what I want to do is have the greatest positive impact on the world that I can and I'm worried that I'm deluding myself when I say that the best way for me to do that is to focus on cultivating my self-understanding and my powers of articulating my personal experience and sharing those with the world um, that maybe if what I really want is to help others, that that's bullshit, and <laughs> I'm not worth my weight in art, and I should just get out there and like, you know, 
and wars and hunger and genocide like just directly help the people that need it the most in obvious ways because I don't do near enough of that like uh, I, I read this interesting article coming out of the, the Singularity Institute recently about uh, the concept of sins of the future mm. have you heard of this? no tell me about this we look back on those who actively or passively were part of uh, the slavery industry in United States history oh. very uh, poorly. We, we condemn those people. Mm-hmm. A lot of those people, it wasn't a big issue in their lives. That's just the time and place they were born. And that's just how things were. It's mm-hmm. not like they were hateful people necessarily. <clears throat> so we live in uh, one of the wealthiest countries in the world the the uh, the economy that supports our ability to to live the way we do is built upon global slavery from from sweatshops to uh, you know really horrible conditions in in farms and in everything you know just our uh, our slavery footprint is it's everywhere is, there's more slaves today than there ever been in all of humanity's history yeah yes yeah, yeah so. Maybe people will look back on us just like being okay with having comfortable lives right now while billions of people's lives are in abject misery. They'll think we're awful people. I'm going to send a message to the future right now. I'm not an asshole. I'm not. <laughs> Listen, I feel bad about those things. Okay, judge me. I, 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 I'm still, I'm still I, living. I'm still doing nothing. So, yeah. No, I, I, I don't. Doubt, I, mean, I feel awful about that. We all feel awful about this. We, I think, we all want to do what we can, yeah. and are challenging ourselves to find the best ways to do it. But like, right. what is the best way? Like, would I be? I, I mean, I, I don't think the answer is black and white. I think that we should all do more to give directly. Um, but it's also important to think about the the most efficient and effective way to make a wide impact. Yeah, um, I think like the political correctness fad that's happening right now is will be looked into the future. They'll look back and say, "Wow, they're everyone is so concerned about being politically correct. They didn't actually solve any problems." You know, it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's what I think. Like rather than talking about racism let's just figure out what's why why certain groups of people aren't succeeding let's fix it you know mm-hmm. rather than saying oh don't say this n-word well that doesn't cure that doesn't fix anything how about you know improve the schools right. or whatever improve the communities or build uh, build more parks or whatever the real solution is I think mm-hmm. people look back and say people are running around talking about political correctness and this and that and everyone is self-censoring themselves and they wouldn't talk about these issues because they were worried about being politically correct or someone you know, being all negative, you know. Um, so I think uh, I, I think that's going to be that's going to happen in the future. I get conspiratorial with these things because I feel like I feel like um, I feel like divide and conquer strategies have been used for on societies since they <clears throat> since they found out that they were effective. Right. And I feel right. like and I feel like you know what what, what we're seeing in, in the current discourse with like 
you know, with racism and people like Donald Trump and all these things, you know, in the in the political circus that you're seeing, I feel like it's that's what it is. It's a circus, and it's really it's really more of a just a distraction for the. It's masses. a distraction, yeah. You know, the real sense, issues. Yeah. The real issues are like are like all right. Well, how do we deal with? Again, the artificial intelligence economy industry that is growing faster than ever. How we deal with prisons? How do we deal with like, you know, how how is it how is it that we that we have NASA that explores outer space, but we don't have a NASA for the mind where we can explore inner space? <coughs> like, how is it that we don't even have that? Like, how is it that we're not spending trillions on that? Or even look at like traffic and like the traffic is insane. Why do why are we forced to get in a car and go down a freeway to yeah. work? No one's solving that. No one's talking about that. And we're distracted by some silly, like, oh, yeah, I don't know what, some political correct issue or something, rather than, like, let's fix the problem. I mean, Trump or anyone is not talking about how he's going to fix the traffic issue. Or <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, we got, this is where, again, this is where I'm like, okay, well, we, we're obviously, we're obviously fucking up at, like, leading ourselves. And so is this where, is this where AI, again, is going to come in and be... This secondary sort of advisor to world. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that AI wakes up and says, "Dudes, you're doing it all wrong." Yeah, like, what the fuck are you thinking? Close the freeways, make communities, get everyone to like you know yeah. have walkable cities or whatever. You yeah. Know? yeah, I mean, I've been able to uh, impose accountability on myself using technology around me. Mm. I've been able to externalize pressure to meet personal goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it'd be a dream if uh, we could do a similar thing with AI, essentially externalize our uh, accountability as a species. Or, or psychedelics. Honestly, I think, <laughs> I think it's, it's not within the realm of impossibility the day when we'll figure finally that this is medicine. That this could be used for psychoactive psychotherapy, and for, you know, and, and 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 if we had the research, and if we had the knowledge, and if we had the right men- mindset, the right mentality, then I think, you know, people would make amazing breakthroughs in their lives. Amazing breakthroughs. I feel like everybody's walking around half breathing, like 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 people don't really fully breathe out there because we're, you know, we're we tuck in our stomachs to make ourselves look skinnier because we. Um, you know, uh, just for whatever reason, we we're, we don't we're in the state of constantly the constant constipation for some reason, and I think you know, in in, in many ways, the psychedelic experience releases that constipation. I know it's a bad analogy, but but it's yeah, you people need to breathe. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like well, if people had the chance to breathe more. It'd be so much. The world would be so much better off. Well, and I I think that. Uh, what you're tapping into here is another really important uh, continuum that's that's similar to the one we were talking about, where there's going to be a, a you know new lines that people in uh, romantic relationships are going to have to draw. You know, like what what's cheating, like what what's another person, what's infidelity, like uh, thought policing. Like mm. once we have like beyond just like. Uh, psychoactive drugs that affect the like physical chemical brain but we have these like mainlining type technologies uh i hope that our power structures will be able to accommodate great 
amounts of freedom in the type of consciousness you choose to have. They won't. <laughs> but we'll cross that bridge when we get there, right? Right. <laughs> Doug, I think, I think this is about uh, as much time as we have. Um, holy crap. Thank you so much for Sweet. joining me. Uh, this was fun. Yes, the simulation Thanks wants for having to me. happen. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, how can people stay in touch and follow all the things that you're up to? Oh, geez. Uh, just, I don't know, Google Douglas Blumeyer. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll put, I'll, in the show notes, I'll link a, a Google search. Douglas, uh, Blumeyer. Yeah, I don't know. I'll send you some, okay, some sounds stuff. Good. <laughs> sounds good. Uh, that's going to be in the show notes. Steve, how can um, follow people follow what you're doing and, and all that good stuff? Uh, you can... Uh, well, I have a site right now. It's Distant Future. It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not really well done yet so far, but that's where I'm going to be posting some of my VR work. Yeah. It's uh, distantfuture.re. And it's not... It's, it's like distantfuture.re. Yeah. Ah, got it. Yeah, yeah. It's not .re. R-E. What's that? I don't remember some countries. Romania. <laughs> well, that's that's also information that's going to be uh, in the show notes. And, and yeah, thank you, Doug and Steve, for joining me. This this was fun. Cool, yeah, thanks. And bam. <laughs>